Well, welcome to a time of worship through the Word. I would invite you, the irony of ironies, as we start a new series, to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4. The Gospel of John, chapter number 4. But we're just using this as a launching pad. Don't worry, we've already worked through the whole book of John. But we're talking this morning about this house and what this house is supposed to be. And the first thing we're going to look at is worship. It is worship. John chapter 4, verses 19 through 26, as you're making your way over there, our main challenge this week is we're going to look at a challenge each week until we fill up the house this, together is this. May we be a church which prioritizes and encourages the adoration of God. May we be a church which prioritizes and encourages the adoration of God. Of God. That's what it means to worship. Where I'm picking up in the text this morning, and again, we're just using this as a launching pad, and I know, let not your heart be troubled, you're probably looking at the outline and think, good grief, we're not going to get out of here till 11, but no, it's going to go quick this morning, one scripture after another, but we're going to use this as a launching pad, and the reason I chose John chapter 4 is because it's some of the clearest instruction of what worship is that we have in the new testament jesus is having a conversation with a woman at the well the woman of samaria and they start having a conversation about worship she was a samaritan so she was only half jewish and she had spent her life worshiping in samaria and then jesus being a jew had spent his life worshiping in jerusalem and this is where we pick up our story in this conversation about worship. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Remember, Jesus is in Samaria. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. By the way, before we get any further, the conversation has not changed in 2,000 years. When we talk about worship, singing, adoration, all of it, people want to know, are we doing it right, or are they doing it right, or is my way better than your way, your way better than my way? She picks up right there. But listen to Jesus' response. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. It's amazing. She's talking to him. Jesus said to her, I who you speak to am he. I'm the answer to your question, my friend, is what he is saying to her. So worship we see here is not about the place. It's not even about primarily the how it is about the who it is about the who and it's the who that we are offering our adoration and praise principle number one because we have a lot of ground to cover today again our challenge is may we be a church 
which prioritizes and encourages the adoration of God. Principle number one, worship is the outward or personal expression of an inward adoration. What is worship? It is the outward or personal expression of an inward adoration. Literally in English, the word worship means to show honor, adoration, and or reverence. The English word worship comes from the English word worth. Worship in English is the idea of the celebration of worthiness. The whole idea of doxology, we sang the doxology this morning, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That comes from the original language in the New Testament, the word for worship. It is about acknowledging the worthiness, the praiseworthiness of God and showing him our adoration. Well, how do we do that? Well, we can worship through our words. We can worship through our words. It doesn't have to be set to music. Sometimes it is, but we worship through what we say. We acknowledge and give God thanks. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'll just be riding down the road and I'll think about something that God has done in my life. I'm a Baptist on Sunday. I'm a Pentecostal during the week. And I will just, just call out to God and say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. We can worship through our words. Also, we can worship through personal singing. We can worship through personal singing. Do you know that all singing doesn't have to occur in the church house? Sometimes we can worship, again, I just mentioned in the car, at home, in the shower, wherever it is, you sing and you call out and you give God praise. Listen to Psalm 96, verses 1 through 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. As a father, one of the sweetest things I observe in my children is their singing. And I love to come upon my children singing songs they have learned in church. You know, one of the best reasons there is to bring your children and grandchildren to church is they will learn songs about Jesus. And those songs they will sing for the rest of their life. But if you don't bring them, they won't know them. You teach them these songs that they might have something to sing and give God praise. You know where they get it from? Occasionally I sing at home, but not typically around them. But their mother will sing at home. And they hear their mother singing and they will sing good days, bad days, the music. Also, perhaps you listen to Christian radio, a great Christian radio station here in town. Maybe you listen on Spotify listening to worship music as i prepare my sermons during the week i listen to instrumental worship music why because worship and music music does something singing does something to fix our mind on god we can worship god through personal singing also we can worship god through corporate celebration we can worship god through corporate celebration and that's what we are doing together that's the holy moment that we just shared together as a singing body and as a choir and as instrumentalists so what are different ways that we can worship god through corporate worship well we can do so with our instruments we can do so with our instruments we don't 
play instruments so others can worship. The very playing of instruments is worship. Listen to Psalm 150. It's the last psalm in the book. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's right there in the text that the people of God throughout the Bible were using their instruments in order to bring God praise. But another way that we can worship God through corporate worship is not just by using our instruments, but we did it this morning by using our hands. You say, well, some, some of us may have grown up in a tradition of church. You, say, you didn't really clap in church. You know, I don't really like that, Brother Matt. Well, hey, to each their own. But do you know that it's straight out of Scripture that we clap our hands during church? You know, one of the things about clapping your hands, it not only helps you stay on beat, it helps you stay on focus and think about what you're saying. Listen to Psalm 63, 3 through 4, so you know I'm not selling you a bill of goods. Listen. The Bible talks about clapping your hands because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live in your name. Notice I will lift my hands. Now, some of you grew up in church where lifting your hands was so out of the ordinary. For instance, the little church that I grew up in and you can still go to today, if you raise your hand in the song service, you better have a question. All right? <laughs> Listen, that's the culture that I grew up in. But you know what? It's not the culture of the Bible. The Bible says to use your hands, to raise them high. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8. I desire then that in every place that men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. The previous church that I pastored had a dear lady that loved to lift her hands in worship and stuff like that. And it, it made everybody uncomfortable that sat around her. And finally, one of the ladies, I found that they had nicknamed her the helicopter lady. They said, you know, Brother Matt, the helicopter lady? I said, who are you talking about? You know, she, she lay, raises her propellers each week. I said, oh my goodness. Listen, we're missing something here. Listen, the, listen, the Bible tells us that we should lift our hands in praise. She said, well, Brother Matt, I can't lift my hands in worship. I don't feel it. Then don't lift them. But if you do, my goodness, have the freedom that the Bible says to lift your hands. Lift your hands in worship. Also, listen, Psalm 47, verse 1. Psalm 47, verse 1 says, clap your hands, all you peoples. What does the scripture say? Not only to lift our hands, but to clap our hands and to give God praise. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. You say, well, I don't want to be a distraction to people. Friends, if we're worshiping the way the Bible tells us, it's not a distraction. We're just joining in with the song. We're to worship with instruments. We're to worship with our hands, whether lifted hands or clapping hands. And we're also to worship with our joined Voices. Oh, I love this. You know where we get the idea of choirs? Straight out of the Bible. They had choirs in the Bible. 
One fascinating story in the Bible, and I don't have time to go over the fullness of it, but you need to read this. This is 1 Chronicles chapter 15, when David is moving the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. It takes two tries. Because if you know your Old Testament history, you know that to move the Ark of the Covenant, it would require Levites and Poles so that no one would get near and touch the Ark. Well, they hadn't read their Bible in a while, and they didn't know that you needed to have Levites and Poles and all of that kind of stuff. So they just they got an old cart, and they put the Ark on the cart. And as they were going down and bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, David was there, other people were there. There was a man by the name of Uzzah. And Uzzah reached out. Do you know what he did? Somebody tell me. He touched the ark. Was anybody else bothered by that story as a child? That bothered me so bad. I'm like, man, God, he was just trying to like help you out a little bit so your box doesn't fall on the ground and, and stuff like that. I was listening to a lecture by R.C. Sproul, who's now with the Lord, and he said, you know what Uzzah's problem was? He considered his sin-stained hands purer than the dust of the ground I thought, oh my goodness of course that sounds like something dr sproul would say but it's always he's always profound but nonetheless they had this terrible thing Uzzah reached out to balance the ark and bam Uzzah is struck dead man you want to talk about an awkward worship service has anyone ever been in a worship service where someone has died i've been in worship service where someone has had a heart attack and stuff like that my friend and from seminary in fact he tells this story it's 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 something but uh anyway he tells this story he was preaching and someone had a heart attack in the middle of church uh, by the way don't we're not not giving any recommendations here but someone had a heart attack in the middle of church and uh it was a church where the choir stayed up behind the preacher while the uh you know the sermon was going on and anyway, he stopped and he prayed and he did the appropriate thing. And, you know, there were doctors and nurses who came. We were in the church and stuff like that. And um, anyway, they took the man out. And then afterwards, uh, not afterwards, but after they took the man out, the sermon went on. And then somebody came in the back door and just did this. Which actually meant, don't worry about it, everything's okay. And that's the way the pastor took it. But the choir took it as, he's gone. And afterwards, the pastor was rebuked by his wife, who was in the choir, and said, this is the most selfish, arrogant, pig-headed thing I've ever seen. You were so committed to finishing your sermon that you could not stop when a man died in church? He said, wait a second, what do you mean he died? She said, you saw them come in the back and he did this. He said, That's, this means died? He said, yes. Well, it turned out the man didn't die and the pastor was right after all. But anyway, here's my point. Here's my point. Uzzah died in the middle of church. That's awkward, all right? So they end the worship service and everybody goes back and well, David gets the burden. We've got to get the Ark of the Covenant. So they decide to read their Bible this time and realize they've got to use Levites and offer sacrifices. So they do that. And it's interesting to me, David organizes a choir. And there is this verse that is so fascinating to me. I love it. Look at 1 Chronicles 15, 22 from Canaan. 
the head Levite was in charge of the singing. Now notice this. That was his responsibility because he was skillful at it. You know what he's saying? You know what David is saying? David is the one who is appointing these people. He's like, look, we're going to do this right this time. We're going to have the Levites. And listen, we're actually going to put people in charge of the singing who can sing. All right, this, uh, listen, listen, corporate worship, I understand. It is to be a joyful noise. We're to offer God a joyful noise. But corporate worship should be beautiful. We've all been in church services where the choir sounded like a couple of calves dying in a hailstorm. Like, listen, worship should be beautiful. That's the whole idea of corporate worship, that we are to come together and lift up our voices in song. Maybe some of you, God has given a gift. You don't, you don't have to be Jimmy. You don't have to be that good. You just got to be a, okay. And if you're okay, we'd love for you to be in the choir. Okay up, right? Now, if you can't hold a pitch at all, you could come and sing watermelon under your breath, right? But, but anyway, listen, with joined voices, that's what a choir is all about. With instruments, with our hands, with joined voices, and also corporately as we all raise our voices they lead us and we sing along with them also we can worship through silent contemplation we can worship through silent contemplation listen to psalm 46 10 it says he says be still and know that i am god and i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in the earth Every now and again during the week, I just take a moment and just pause and get quiet and just acknowledge that not only is God in there, but he, God is there, but he is in control. We can worship not just with our hands, not just with our instruments, not just with all of the noise. We can worship through silent contemplation. We can also worship through right living. Right living. You see, worship is not just what we sing, what we contemplate, it is also an offering of our lives. Worship is our entire lives. Listen to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. <coughs> this is your true and proper worship. You don't have to wait until Sunday to worship God. When you, you get up and say, Lord, I want to honor you today. I want to give praise to your name today by the way that I live. Lord, be glorified in my life. Help me to do what pleases you. That is an offering of worship to God. When you pass up on temptation, even though you're drawn and you say, listen, I want to do that because I enjoy that, but I know it doesn't please God. You know what, Lord? Receive my worship. That is an offering of worship to God when you live obediently, when I live obediently to God. Also, we can worship God through serving others. We can worship God through serving others. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 through 16. It says, through Jesus, there, let us therefore continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have you ever thought of that? That worship is not just what we do with our words. Worship is not just what we do with our lives. It is how we serve other people. 
how we serve other people. A few years ago, when I was a young pastor, there was a young mother that came up to me afterwards. She said, Brother Matt, you talk about having a morning quiet time. You talk about, for instance, having time with God and worship and singing and all those things. She's just saying, listen, it ain't happening. I've got too many little people around my house. There, there, there's a quiet moment with God. She said, a quiet moment. That's funny, right? They don't exist in my life. And we talked about this very thing. Did you know that God understands the seasons of our lives, but even how we are serving and doing his will, being a good father, being a good mother, these things are an offering of worship to God. Now, certainly we need to read the word of God. Certainly we need to praise and do all of those things. But don't think just living an obedient life and serving others is not offering worship to God. We can worship through all of these things. We can worship again through words, through singing, through corporate celebration, through silent contemplation, through right living, and we can worship through serving others. Also, not only is worship the outward or personal expression of inward adoration, we're going to come back to that in a minute, is false worship is real. False worship is real. There is such a thing as worship done wrong. Now, we talked about the Samaritan woman at the beginning. She wanted to talk about where is the worship supposed to take place. Well, Jesus does say, actually, it is supposed to take place on Jerusalem, on the mount in Jerusalem. But you know what? There is a time coming where that's not going to matter anymore because those who are going to worship me are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So what is false worship, though? Well, one way of false worship will be this. When we worship what is false. When we worship what is false. For instance... This world is constantly pulling us into the adoration of lesser things. The world is constantly pulling us into the adoration of lesser things. Listen to Romans chapter 1 verse 25. And it says this about those being described in Romans 1 who had sinned. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. Forever praised, amen. Listen to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. We're constantly being pulled that our affections and our adoration might go elsewhere. Now, is it wrong to have things? Of course, it's not wrong to have things. God has created all things richly for us to enjoy. The way we can give praise to God is by enjoying his good creation. But we must be careful. We must be careful because the trip between having things and your things having you is a very short one. And then all of the sudden, our worship of God has been polluted and distracted by our adoration of lesser things. Now you say, well, listen, I, I can just do it for a season and, you know, it, it, won't, it won't affect things, stuff like that. It'll, it'll be fine. Listen, it happens so fast. If you start skipping corporate worship, and I do not misread what I'm saying. Some people are providentially hindered. Some people have family situations, work situations, health situations, and situations that we don't know about that are completely understandable. 
But for some of us, coming to corporate worship is not convenient. Friends, if you skip out on corporate worship, listen to your pastor who loves you. There is no way you will escape that unscathed. You are bringing harm onto your life because you were made for worship. You are made for worship. I'm not trying to, to make you feel bad. I'm wanting to encourage you to be a part of what God has made you for. Because when we build our life around lesser things, it can have devastating effects on our marriage, devastating effects on our families and our children and our grandchildren. When I was a young pastor, I had an adult man, a man twice my age, in tears in front of me. His marriage had ended. His children had nothing to do with him. And he was crying and he said, Brother Matt, you have no idea. This all started when we quit coming to church. Corporate worship is so important. And we can so quickly and easily be drawn into the worship of lesser things. Also, not only is false worship the worship of lesser things, False worship can be this, when we falsely worship what is true. When we falsely worship what is true. Here's, here's the other ditch, right? We can completely avoid corporate worship and miss out on worshiping God. We can avoid spending time with God personally and miss out on experiencing God. But then also we can falsely worship. The other ditch on the other side is that you're everywhere you're supposed to be except your heart is not there. And this is another problem that's spoken of in the Bible. This is the problem of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, it's possible to participate in right ritual without right relationship. It is possible to participate in right ritual without a right relationship. You can say the right things, be in the right place, do the right schedule, be everywhere you're supposed to be, and your heart be a million miles away from God. That's the, the other ditch, so to speak, that we must avoid. Listen to Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13. Listen to what the Lord says. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. What does that mean? Well, you know, I just worship. I do this because this is what mama told me to do. And by the way, doing stuff mama told you to do will make your life better. I was talking to a teenager this week, not mine. I've had this talk with mine, though. Um, anyway, they were talking about uh, how much he was frustrated about uh, his relationship with his mom and his dad. He said, I just hate doing what they're saying, to do what they say. And I said, hey, did you ever hear about that boy that never did what his parents said? He said, well, no. I said, that's right. No one ever heard from him again. <laughs> Listen, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for you to do what mom and dad says. But that's not worship. Mom and dad can encourage you to do the right things and be in the right place and say the right things and teach the right doctrines and sing the right songs. But if it's not here, it's not real. It's got to be here it is pos possible to worship falsely what is true one of the scariest patches is in the bible is in matthew where it says jesus said many will say to me lord lord 
in that day, but not everyone who is called upon the name of the Lord in a public sense is truly with him. Friends, it is possible to worship falsely what is true, but what worship is to do is it is to flow from the heart. Worship is to flow from the heart. It is not just to be our words, okay? And by the way, that's important. For instance, you say, I I come to church, but I don't sing. That's just not my thing, stuff like that. Well, listen, singing may not be your gift, but the Bible tells us to sing. The Bible tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There is a time to be silent and quiet, but it's not all the time. We should open our mouths and sing God praise. Worship flows from the heart. Worship is about adoring God. I read an article on worship this week on Desiring God by Dr. John Piper, and he said this. He said, worship is about adoring God above all other things. Man, that's so good. Adoring God above all other things. Worship is about adoring God. It's that moment We don't just sing about God, but what we are singing and what we are saying and our thoughts about him, it is about treasuring God, treasuring Jesus above all else. See, worship is not about honoring our tradition. Worship is not about honoring our tradition. Now, listen, uh, tradition is very important to me. Family history is so important to me. I love singing old songs. I love singing songs that I heard growing up. Listen, things, singing songs that my grandparents and great-grandparents sang is so vitally important to me. But it's important because of what the songs say, not because my grandparents sang them. It's so important for us to know That when we sing, it's not about honoring a tradition. It is about honoring our Lord and Savior. Also, worship is the moment that we can celebrate what is right regardless of what is wrong. Let me tell you what I love so much about worship. Regardless if my life is falling apart, whether I have just blown it through sin or whether I've been through some terrible trial, It is always the right time to worship. You read about David's sin after he sinned with Bathsheba and killed, had Uriah killed. He got down on his knees. He begged God for forgiveness. And then after seven days of mourning, he got up and he worshiped and he went to the house of God. Man, after having an episode like that, how many of us would think a week later to go to the house of God and just praise God? For who he is. We don't think like that. But David did. Think about Job. His whole life fell apart. His whole life fell apart. He lost everything but his own life. And it says the first thing Job did. Is he fell down on his face. And worshipped. And worshipped. Friends you don't have to be okay. To worship what's right with God. And it's okay friends. You've heard this cliche. It's okay to not be okay. In church is not. You don't come to church when your life is put together. You come to church because God is the one who puts our life together and he is worthy of praise. You say, well, gosh, it's been a hard week in my marriage this week. What should we do? Come to church. Well, we had a, man, we had a tough time with our kids this week. What should we do? Come to church and worship. I'm just really struggling right now. I just, I don't know what I would do. Like, 
Come to church and worship. Worship is so important. It's the most moment that we can celebrate what is right regardless of what is wrong. Friends, I used to think that I could understand how the world worked. I used to think I could understand the way our country worked, the way politics worked. I used to under, I had it all figured out. This is what Republicans think. This is what Democrats think. This is what you know is good for the country. And I had all that figured out. After the last decade, I have no clue anymore. Absolutely no clue anymore. I can't make sense of anything. And you know what I do so often as I hear the news and see the news and try to make sense of it? I just worship what's right with God. I worship what is right with God. Lord, whether I understand what's going on in our world or not, I know it's right with you. You are on your throne. Worship is the moment we can celebrate what is right regardless of what is wrong. Worship is also the celebration of what God has done, is doing, and will do. We come to God and give him thanks for what he has done. We heard Brother Jimmy sing earlier about being glad that he is saved. Some of us cannot remember what it was like before we were saved because we came to Jesus as children. But I want you to think a minute what your life would be like had you not come to Christ and him saved you. Where would you be? I had the privilege last week of preaching a funeral for a dear friend of mine. Um, and I just went totally blank on his name. Brother Reggie Rose. Brother Reggie Rose. Such a sweet, precious, precious man of God. But I had the privilege of sitting down with him and talking to him about his, his funeral about a year before he passed. And he told me, he said, Brother Matt, you sit, he, see, he said, I've lived long enough to see that I have no idea how people make it without Jesus. He said, I have no idea where I would be without Jesus. Friends, when we worship, we thank God for what he has done. We also thank God for what he is doing. You know, it's a good thing to give God thanks and worship for the little things and the big things. And also, we worship God for what he will do. Let's go to the final thing and we'll be done. Worship is a spiritual thermometer. Worship is a spiritual thermometer. I want you to listen to me. This is very important. There is a direct connection between our worship and our relationship with God. There is a direct connection with our worship and our relationship with God. You can almost mark it down when I'm being selfish, short-tempered, foolish, and stupid. It is most often after there has been an extended period of absence of personal worship in my life. Because I've gotten distracted with lesser things. Friends, worship is keeping the fire alive in your heart. It's not letting the embers grow cold. It is keeping it alive. For instance, you say, well, well goodness, listen, we, preacher, we believe in once saved, always saved. You're, you're good with God. You're good with God. It doesn't matter if you have long seasons, short seasons with him. Yeah, I, I get that. God keeps his promises and stuff like that. But we all understand how relationships work. One of the things that I do every day, 
every day is I tell my wife multiple times I love her, and I tell her multiple times that she is beautiful. Now, I'm not trying to score brownie points with you. I tell her she is beautiful because she is. She really is. And I think she's beautiful, and I, she's, goodness, she's my wife, I'm her husband. I should think that anyway. But I'm also not just partial, I'm objective. She is beautiful, and if you don't think she's beautiful, there's a problem with you. <laughs> and I tell her multiple times a day. Not only that, I tell her I love her. I, tell her, I kiss her in front of my children. Why? Because it keeps a relationship alive. We would still be married if I didn't tell her I loved her. We would still be married if I didn't tell her she was beautiful. We would still be married if I didn't kiss her and embrace her. Yeah, we would still be married, but the relationship might not be alive. Somebody's application needs to be to go home and kiss your wife. And if it's been a long time, you better ask permission first. <laughs> There's a direct connection between our worship and our relationship with God. Here's the final thing. Why it's so important that we worship is we become like what we worship. In a conversation about idols in Psalm 135, 15 through 18, the psalmist says this, The idols of the nation are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Friends, worship is a spiritual thermometer. You say, I, I want to have a heart more like Jesus. You know how you get one? Is you worship him. Because you become like what you worship. I had a Sunday school teacher in seventh grade named Robert Taylor. Mr. Taylor told us, little seventh grade boys, and it's amazing that I'm able to remember this. But he said, boys, I want you to listen to me. He said, if all the worship you ever offer to God is an hour and a half on Sunday morning, he said, it's the equivalent of a person going to a gas station driving circle donuts around the gas station and then asking the gas attendant to fill it up but never stopping the car. Worship is to be our entire life and our entire life can lead to worship because it is our adoration of God. Friends, may we be a church which prioritizes and encourages the adoration of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for these moments that we can share together. Lord, we want to acknowledge right now that You are worthy of our praise. Lord, You are beautiful. You are good. You have forgiven us. You are kind. Lord, You have blessed us with blessings unimaginable according to your riches and glory. And Lord, we just say thank you. We just say thank you. Right now, all across this room, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just in the quietness of your heart, I want you to think about something God's done in your life. 
Maybe it's years ago. Maybe it's recent. Just think about something that God has done and say thank you and then worship his name. Say thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. Now, I want you to think about who God is. That he's the healer. That he's our warrior. That he is ever faithful. He's our savior. All of those things. Just in the quietness of your heart, just say, I worship you for who you are. And then I want you to give a petition. First, I want you to pray for this church that the Lord would make this house a house of worship with open hands, with open mouths for our voices, and with open hearts. Lord, will you make First Baptist Church at Tupelo a house of worship? Now I want you to pray for you. Lord, say something like this. Lord, make my heart, my heart, a place of worship. If there's anything in there that's gotten in the way, it's been drawing your affection away from God. Put it in its proper place and acknowledge that your heart, first and foremost, only belongs to Him. Lord, we thank you and we bless your name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.